0: Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to part one of episode number 151 of my sexy music podcast, the millennial throwback machine. First of all, i like to welcome all you to part one of episode number 151 of my 60 Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, either on the Apple Podcast app, or in Stitcher, or in iHeartRadio, or on Google Play Music, or on Spotify, and you're wondering, so what the heck is, that? I'm going to give you a brief description of what the show is all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 25 year old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a 60 Music fan slash expert slash earn. each week with this podcast i take one song by one, one artist from the 60s put the show in two parts first part of the show talk about my opinion of the song and why i think it's so good or why i think it sucks then do my own personal and personal analysis on the arrangement on the of the song which will include the chords million lyrics And the second part of the show i dig deep into the history behind that track. and that part of the show talk about talk about who wrote the song who produced it was to the song was recorded at, where they'd be the, and talk about the session musicians that played on the song, and also talk about uh, the history behind the songwriters who wrote the song and produced it, the, producer, the artists that recorded it. And the peak musician song made up originally on the a 100 charts when it first came out. The year month song was released, the record label song was released on. All that is in the second part of the show. Now, before we move on to this week's episode of the podcast, I actually want to let you guys know something. Um, i I got I to be honest with you guys about something. This is something that I just have to tell you. Um, I've been trying to get a guest on the show for a while. And to and to be freaking brutally honest with you guys, it's been very difficult for me to get a guest on my podcast. Um, I've reached out to so many people. And I'm either, either getting no responses or just people saying, hey, right now is not a good time. So, uh, for the hundred fiftieth episode of this podcast, I know it's a big deal, but I just—it's just not going to happen. Um, I—I'm I, just just saying this right now that there will not be a guest for episode one hundred and fifty of this podcast. I did everything I possibly could have done to try to get a guest on my podcast, but it just looks like that's just not in the cards right now. ...for me to, you know, have a guest on my podcast... ...because I've literally tried... ...I've reached out to so many people... ...and I either got no response... ...or, I mean, in fact, a guy that I had... ...you know, was interested... ...you know, decided that he can't do it anymore... ...because it's just... ...he's just not in a good place right now... ...to be be a podcast guest... ...because of, you know, his... his uh, ...he's dealing with some personal family issues right now... ...so he just can't do it... ...so, I mean there's just not going to be a guest for episode 150 of this podcast. That's just how it is. Um, but I mean, it kind of goes back to my original point of me doing this podcast is that it's not really all about the guests because look, I mean, you know, if you, if you're, if you do listen to podcasts and I would imagine if you, if you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to other music related podcasts that are, uh, similar to mine. Well, I'm sure you notice that there's podcasts out there that are just all about the guests. Like, literally, every single week, you know, it, there's there's interview-style podcasts. And while I do have those every once in a while, whenever I can, really, um, the, you know, it's, it's not... I, my podcast isn't just all about my guests. I mean, it's more, again, it's all about 60s music history told from a millennial's perspective... And, you know, talking about this music and, you know, me being the 60s music historian I am, uh, you know, me sharing my insights and opinions on these songs and also talking about the history behind these records. So that's what the show's about. It's all about, it's a millennial's perspective on this music and it with an occasional guest here and there, when I can't really. So, um, you know, I know eventually at some point I'll have a guest, but right now it's just not... Looking like it's going to happen because like I told you, I've tried reaching out to so many people and most of them either didn't respond. A couple did, but all of them literally said they just right now is just not a good time to, you know, uh, to do a, a, to be guest on a podcast. So um, with that being said, no guests for 150, epi- 150 episodes, episodes of this podcast. So um, let's just keep on checking and move on with this week's Song and Artist. Okay, so um, I'm very, very excited to do this song and cover this group, too, because I this is one of those this group, you know, here's the thing. So this this group I'm about to cover was arguably one of the biggest, most commercially successful groups of the 60s. And they're not the Beatles. They're not the Rolling Stones. They're not the Beach Boys. And they're not any group that you would expect, um, even though they were very much a part of the late 60s sound. Again, this is a late 60s group, so there's no you're not going to hear any elements of the early 60s with this group, but you will hear some sort of you know traces of early 60s ness in with this group, but for the most part. You know, these guys were as contemporary as they could be in the years that they were having hits, which were 1966, 1967, 1968. They had a very, very contemporary sound, even though they weren't structured like a contemporary group. I mean, their harmonies were kind of harking back to the earlier part of the 60s. Their, Their music was very much within that time frame of 66, 67, 68, and... Their songs are absolutely unbelievable. And by the way, um, I'm, I'm going back to L.A. this week. So I'm, this is not an East Coast podcast. I'm not going to be talking about New York studio musicians or songwriters. I'm going to be going back to L.A. this week and talking about an L.A. group. And uh, next week we'll talk about all about the Wrecking Crew and do that. So I'm going back to L.A. this week. So I'm very excited to do that. And this song is just off the freaking chain. It's unbelievable how good this song is. It's just like, it's one of those records that it just, from the, from the first couple seconds, it grabs you, it just takes you by, it just hits you with a ton of bricks with that introduction, and it just explodes out of the speakers when you, when you listen to it. It's so good that just by playing the intro itself, you'll be like, holy crap, what is this? Like, this is really, really cool and it's one of those records that has one of the coolest arrangements on the planet. It it just it's so layered and there's just so many different components to it and it just sounds incredible. And I can't wait to dive into this one this week cuz this record is just it's just amazing. I love every single second of it. Okay, so the song came was recorded in March and April of 1967 and released in May of 1967. It was by a group called The Association. The name of the song is called Windy. is that record a slam dunk or what seriously holy crap that song is fucking awesome oh man I that that intro alone is just priceless it's so good it just grabs you by the ears and just really really gets you going oh man this song is fan freaking tastic and today we're going to talk about what makes this song so good both musically and lyrically but first let's always as always let's get to the song's music Okay, so this song arguably has one of the most captivating musical tracks on the planet. It's just so amazing how good this track is. I mean, just the instrumentation alone is just unfreaking believable. I mean, it's just so layered and it's so dense with so many different things going on. But for the most part, it's very difficult to hear a lot of the things that are going on within the arrangement for this song. Because... What a lot of you might not understand about this record is that it, it may just sound like a basic rhythm section, you know, guitar, keys, bass, and drums, but there's just so much more going on under the surface that you may not even be aware of um, because the song, the reason why I'm saying this is because the, 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 the song is so rich and dense with vocals that that that's basically what the song has it has all of uh it has all the characteristics of vocals i mean it's a very vo- vocally layered song i mean there's so many different harmonies going on so many different uh singers singing on this track that it's very difficult to really hear exactly what's going on within the arrangement of the song because it's just like you know there's so much happening as far as you know, with the vocals being on top of the rhythm section that you really can't hear anything else that's happening. And to be honest with you, if you really want to hear what the the genius of the arrangement of this song, what you want to do is that instead of going on Spotify and listening to this track, what you want to do is that you want to go to um, YouTube and look up the instrumental track because that's how you're really going to hear... The the, the the genius of this particular track and how complex and how dense the arrangement is. Because let me put it to you right now. So you have the guitar right, you have the bass. And by the way that bass intro is just oh my God. When he count when when I, I, I you know that session must have been so cool because when they just when the when when the arrangement just said one, two One, two, three, and then you heard heard the bass player just, you know, literally just playing that motif, and then the drums kick in, and then you hear the harpsichord, and it just slams. That, oh man, that intro is so good. I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just great. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's the thing about songs is that the intro is so important to records. You know, if, if, if the song doesn't grab you within the first couple, Four or five seconds. Sometimes it's just not even worth listening to, but this song, literally within seconds, it just takes you and just grabs you by the horns and just, it just really gets you going. And it's just, it's just amazing. This song is so freaking cool. I love this record. I mean, and but by the way, what I mean by a very complex arrangement with this song is that um, in when 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 you listen when you go and listen to this track, right? There's a lot of things going on within the arrangement. It's not just guitar, bass, keys, and drums. I've already established that. But what I mean by this is that there's also a uh, French horn, and there's orchestral chimes, and there's flutes, and there is um, a few other things too. Um, you know i am pretty sure there's oboe too i mean there's some there's some woodwinds there's some french horns there's are some orchestral chimes i mean it, it it it's the song even though it's a pop song it has a lot of classical elements to it it's got the sort of classical kind of sound to it even though it's a straight pop record i mean it's not like a classical piece with different sections and different motifs and whatever this is not like that it's a it's a pop song but it's got all it's got some really really cool classical elements to it and you're not going to really hear a lot of these things unless you listen to the original backing track because there you'll hear the oboe you'll hear the french horn you'll hear um you know the orchestral chimes and you and obviously there's there and that's the other cool part about this song you may not even realize it is the 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 flute section i'm i'm pretty sure that's a flute it might be yeah it's it's a flute but it's it's a it's it's a flute it's kind of it has kind of a recorder sound to it but i mean that's really cool cuz how many records can you think of that have a flute solo in it that's really really cool i love the flute on this record the flute is just really really good sounding i love the flute sound on this record. I mean, that, that flute solo is really, really cool. And, um, and also as far as the song's chord progression is concerned, um, it's, it's kind of basic, but it also isn't because when you listen to it in, it, it, I mean, in, in, in the main part of the song, it's basically one flat seven, four, five, not a big deal. And, uh, It kind of just and then it does like the one flat seven five one turnaround thing at the end, so it's not that basic. But it gets really—I mean, it's not sorry—I mean, it's not that complicated. But once you kind of get to um, the bridge, right? Because that's when the song really starts to get toasty. I mean, that's when it gets really, really sophisticated. Because then, a couple you hear you hear a couple different things. First of all, you hear. you know, you hear the four and then you hear the one major seven. So it goes to a one major seven chord. And the one major seven and then it goes and then you hear and then it goes to uh the the four again and then but then it kinda goes to this really interesting sounding chord. And again it's my favorite chord I'm taught what I'm talking about is the uh is the as the nine as the seven nine sus four chord. And I in in this particular case, I think it's C seven nine sus four, which is also a minor seven over eleven. So I could be you know G minor seven over eleven, however you want to call it. C seven nine sus four. It's the same chord, but it ends on that chord, and then you know and and but what I love about this song is how much tension there is at that particular moment when it ends on that C seven nine sus four G minor seven over eleven when it ends. On, on that on that chord, it, it there's so much beef happening. Because you hear the French horn, and then you, hear, you just hear things sort of really... the tension really, really build up, and then it kind of explodes once the drummer does that fill, and then it kind of kicks back into the main part of the song. And I love how it kind of just does that, and then it kind of just does the flute solo, and then it goes back in that section. And it just... You know the song is so it's so lively and so uplifting and so beautifully arranged, and it's just so good. And I in the ending of the song, this this is what really gets me going. The ending is just fantastic, because you can tell that you know it's just like, you know, there's nothing, there's no more lyrics. It's just you know straight, just you know they're singing the they're vamping the chorus of the song, and then just doing that over and over and over again. And then, and then, as soon as the song ends, they just go nuts. They go crazy. They they go that double time thing, and that is just so cool. I and they just kind of go to church, and that is really, really, really good. I love um, when they love it when they do that. And uh, also, um, you know, and also, I I'm not going to spend hours upon hours trying to analyze the harmonies of the song because there's just so much layered harmonies going. There's multiple different melodies happening with this with what the singers are doing. So it's just it's just so much going on. I mean, the the vocals are really <laughs> are really just super layered. I mean, even towards the end, I mean there's two different vocal parts happening. There's a lyric, the mel- main melody, and then there's a harmony part happening all at the same time. And it's just like and then the melody changes, the lead melody changes towards the end. I mean it's just the song is layered so much there's just there's just a lot of stuff happening and it's really it's really really intricate and it, you know it's just it, you would you must have thought that wow when these guys did this song live it was unbelievable i mean just hearing all these different things happening and hearing it all being performed live i mean that must have been so freaking cool and there's tons of live video of these guys doing this doing this song so if you go on youtube you'll hear a lot of it and these guys are really, really good performers live too. They could sing these songs and they can play and they just kicked ass. These guys are great. This, this, this group is a great band and they were really unique sounding. And uh, next week I'll talk more about their history and kind of how they kind of came about as a group. But uh, for now, let's get into the song's lyrics. Okay, so as good as this song is musically like I've already established... And by the way, another really cool part about this song is kind of towards before it gets to the bridge when the, when the when there's like a false ending happening and there's total silence and then the vocals come in and then everything kind of comes in full force. I love that when it just when the drummer just do the when just does those hi hat hits on one two three four and then it's silence and then the whole group kicks in. That's a really really cool section of the song too. And uh, I, I the drum fills on this record are great. I mean, the one in the beginning and one towards and one in the one in the bridge. I mean, those drum fills are just to die for. So so good. Okay. So as far as the song is good musically, because it's fucking great, the song is amazing. Um, as as well as it is good musically, at the same time, it's also lyrically. It's kind of hard to kind of get a good grasp of because it's about a character and it's a character uh uh and and it's one of those songs that um it's it's hard to really sort of you know get there's there's hard to be there's there's hard to get a good relatable sort of concept out of the song because you know it's it's about a very specific character and you may not be this person you know this windy character but at the same time, um, and look, I mean, you might as well be a cartoon character because they're making there's a lot of lyrical imagery in the song. I mean, she, they're talking about her having stormy eyes, the flash at the sound of lies and her having wings to fly. I mean, there's there's sort of a Disney sort of esque sort of element to the song as far as the lyrics is concerned. So I mean, th- you have to hand it to that. It's there's a lot of there was am I'm I'm sure there was a lot of imagination put into lyrics in the song. So if you can't really relate to it, that's totally fine, um, because you know I mean it's it's a it's a it's a character that has specific personality characteristics that are equivalent to a character in a TV show or a movie or a cartoon. So in fact, the song could have easily been uh, like a theme song for a TV show at the time. Like they're like literally they could have pitched this to uh, a couple creators of a television show that was in development and be like, Hey, do you guys want to use this as a theme? And they could have literally built an entire freaking television series based off of the character in this song. And it would have been like a whole thing. It would have been like a cartoony kind of live action show like Batman. It could have been something like that. Cause there's a lot. Of this this character of Wendy has a lot of cartoony um, elements to it, like you know, who's reaching out the streets of the city, smiling at everybody she sees, who's reaching out to capture a moment. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's it's again, this song. You know, she has a lot of cartoony things about her. So again, I can understand why it's hard to relate to the song to certain to a certain degree, but. Um, next week I'm gonna talk more about like exact the exact identity of this person that she is singing about because um, this 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 girl who wrote this song she's a very obscure songwriter this is I'm pretty sure this is the only hit song that she wrote um you know she she wrote she did reveal the identity of the character in the song and uh, it's again like, it's something that is, it's, it's, she was asked about this during interviews. People were wondering, okay, so who the heck is this person that you're writing a song about? And she did talk about that. So, and that's kind of cool because you're not going to get that a lot with songwriters. They're not always going to tell you who their songs are about or the identity of their characters. And, you know, like the, oh, oh, the songs that they write, I mean, you know, as far as the lyrics is concerned, they're not always going to tell you. Who inspired them to write their songs, and a lot of songwriters literally go to the grave, you know, with this, you know, and not really telling anybody, you know, or revealing the identity of, you know, who who their songs are about. I mean, a lot of songwriters just will never ever say that, um, you know. A lot of songwriters are notorious for that, and some of them include Bob Dylan and Paul Simon, but. Um, she she was asked about this and she did reveal the identity of the character of the song. and we'll talk more about that next week as far as who exactly the song is about. But just remember that the song it's it's full of joy and it's full of passion. It's just a great, really, really good well- written song and just an amazing production arrangement. Um, you know, just really, really well written. Um, you know, and look, I mean, it, you may not be you might not be able to relate to the character in the song, but it's still, a fantastically well-written song even if there's even if it's not like common sort of themes it's just like a cartoonish it's about sort of some 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 kind of cartoonish character it's still a really really great well-written song and uh so yeah so that's it for that this week's song so that concludes part one of episode number 151 of my sixty music podcast the millennial throwback machine I'm Sam Williams, and as per usual, if you like my analysis in this week's song and you thought it was really cool and you've never heard this song before and you're a millennial and you really, really like the song and I get, you actually were the first to hear it from me you never heard it before, uh, please email me at samltwilliamicloud.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at iheartolies and check out more of my original music at samwilliamsmusic.net. By the way, as per usual with these particular episodes, um... I, uh, I, what I do is that I, you know, stuff you can check out that's in the links and descriptions of this episode of this podcast include my EP that just came out over Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's been out for a little bit now, so it's not, it's not as fresh as it once was before. Um, you know, I'm continuing to work on new music. I'm producing three new songs right now. So that's another thing that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, so it's another thing I'm, I'm working on. So hopefully those songs will come out at some point. I'm not sure when, um, but yeah, so you can check out the two interviews I did this year with Honk Magazine and Shout Out LA. Those are really, really cool. we love you can check those out. Um, and you can also check out the official Spotify and YouTube playlist for this podcast. You'll be able to find all the songs I've talked about. On my show so far, including some of the ones I mentioned, interview episodes. We'll love you can check those out. Let me know anything of the the songs that I that I uh, play, in uh you know, or I played that I've done before on my podcast. We'll love if you can add if 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 you have any ideas for songs that I should talk about next on my podcast, and I haven't yet. Please email those ideas to me at samltboyicloud dot Those are those those songs will always be there. Um, um, you can also another thing you can do. Is that you can check out the official Redbubble merch store for this podcast. You'll be able to find the super cool um, merch items that I have for the show, which include the my own official um, Millennial Throwback Machine logo that's specific to this podcast. I um, would love it if you can check those out. Um, you can, you know, email me, let me know anything a the logo and the price of each item in the store. You can do that by emailing me at samltwill@icloud.com. at icloud And, yeah, so all those things are in the description of this episode of this podcast. You can check them all out. And eventually I'll do another interview episode, but it's just not looking like there's going to be one anytime soon. And I apologize for taking a few weeks off this podcast. I just was trying to make this interview work with Brooks Arthur, um, but it's just not going to happen right now. So, um, yeah. Uh, I was that that was the reason why I took two weeks off is because I was trying to schedule it out. But like I just told you guys, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that this week. So, you know, 150 episodes, that's a pretty big deal. But, you know, I'm just not going to be doing any interviews. So that's what's going on with that. So um, I'm Sam Williams. And thank you guys for joining me for this week's episode of podcast. Yes, Millennial Throwback Machine. Till next week, please. Keeping's things